all the Monday, February 27, 2023 planning board meeting to order. Board member Curtis, would you mind leading us in the flag salute, please? Not at all. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Mr. Tai, would you mind calling um, roll call? Certainly. Um, President Ruiz? Here. Board members Ariza? Present. Cisneros? Present. Curtis? Here. Hom? Um, actually, Vice President Hom has an excused absence tonight. Uh, board member Saheba? Present. And Teague? Present. And we have a quorum. Thank you. Do we have any agenda changes and discussions? Uh, yes, uh, President Ruiz. Um, staff would like to, um, we would like to uh, move item 7A, the discussion of the objective design review standards to after item 7C. Mm -hmm. This is so that we could talk about the um, work plan for this calendar year um, together with the objective design standards. Okay. And how about the consent calendar item? Uh, yes, we would also uh, request that we um, pull the item 6A, the planning board rules and procedures and um, discuss that first. Okay. Do we have a motion to make such agenda changes? I move that the um, that the consent item be placed on the agenda as um, a discussion item. Do we? I, I, I second. President Ruiz, normally when we get to the consent calendar, we just pull the item and move it. So no, it I'm seems I'm I'm asking for a motion to change the agenda. No, I understand, but usually the consent item, the, the, when we get to the consent item is when we can pull it, typically. Okay. We don't need to typically do it here, but I will second the motion. To change it. All in favor of changing the agenda? Aye. 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 Any nays? Abstentions? Okay, agenda changed, motion passed. Um, so now moving on to oral communications. Anyone may address the board on the topic, not on the agenda under this item. Do we have any speakers? I do not see any speakers at this time. Thank you. Moving on to item um, originally 6A, but now we've moved that to regular agenda item. Does the staff have a presentation? Uh, no, but just a really quick summary. Uh, President Ruiz, um, good evening. Uh, President Ruiz and members of the planning board. My name is Alan Tai, city planner. Um, so this item has to do with the update of the planning board bylaws. And we are presenting this to you because um, as the city is planning to transition out of our COVID-19 meeting protocols and move into a new meeting format, um, there's a desire from uh, the city administration to standardize the agendas across all boards and commissions. Um, so what's being presented for you, to you tonight 
is a new agenda format, and then along with that, um, an update to the bylaws, which reflects that agenda. And I'm available for any questions that you may have. Board Member T. Stephen Bertai. Uh, do we have our ability ourselves to modify our rules as we would like as part of our as part of this vote? Uh, yes. Um, keeping in mind that the, the desire city attorney is the standard. recommended some specific things and there's some standardization in terms of the order of items. Correct. Got it. Thank you. Yes. Any other clarifying questions? Yes. So part of this, um, these rules, when do they go into effect? Uh, if the board approves them tonight, um, they'd be in effect uh, for the next meeting. Okay. And we haven't typically had a secretary as an officer. Is that something that we'll nominate uh, based on these rules? Yeah. So uh, I think under, under the bylaws, um, staff, yours truly is the board secretary. I see. Mm -hmm. Any other um, board questions or comments? I have, a, I have, um, yeah. Madam, uh, Secretary, uh, Madam President, yeah. I have a comment. Curtis. My question is, um, if we make a recommendation, can we make a recommendation to make these changes across the lines and make the, uh, the change to the procedure itself as opposed to just to our meeting? Uh, so is your question meaning you would, uh, uh, can this be a, Procedure that applies to all other boards and commissions. That's correct. Um, it could be. It would be an advisory comment that we could pass on to other boards and commissions. But no, um, the planning board doesn't have purview over the bylaws of other boards and commissions. Sure, but um, mm -hmm. what what I was thinking is that I personally, and, and I'm not speaking for the board, but I personally think that it's important that the Pledge of Allegiance be done at this meeting and should be done at all of the meetings. I think it's an important element and tradition of, of the way things have been on most boards that I've dealt, in, dealt with. And I've sat on a couple of boards outside of, outside of the city also. So if we can't do that, I would like the minutes to reflect my personal objection to, to um, omitting the Pledge of Allegiance and would strongly recommend that we be allowed to keep the present, the, depending upon the vote of the rest of the board, keep the Pledge of Allegiance with the planning board as part of its agenda. Do we have other um, board member comments or questions? It's open for public comments. Do we have any public comments? Yes, I see one attendee raising their hand. Christopher Buckley, you should be able to unmute. Christopher Buckley, Alameda resident. First, I'd like to thank the planning board, city staff, and city council for bringing back in-person meetings. I was actually trying to attend tonight's meeting, but the agenda changes uh, uh, make it difficult for me to do so, so I'm doing it virtually. Uh, with regard to this agenda item, uh, one, I agree with board member Curtis's comment. And also, I would like to recommend that you keep oral communications, that is the second chance for oral communications at the end of the agenda, 
sometimes during meetings, uh, questions come up, not necessarily related to an agenda item, but the oral communications at the end allows the public an opportunity to respond to those questions and provide additional information, uh, as long as those responses do not directly relate to one of the agenda items previously discussed. And sometimes inaccurate information is given, not necessarily, not, I'm not saying by staff, but sometimes members of the public, that uh, the uh, having oral communications at the end allows an opportunity to respond to incorrect information. So would recommend that the revised rules of procedure re reflect uh, the recommendations I'm giving and also board member Curtis's recommendation. Thank you. Mr. McGuire, any other public comments? I see no more public speakers. Thank you. Now we close the um, public speaking section of this agenda item. Um, board member T. I may have missed it, uh, staff member Ty. Is oral communication now only once on the agenda, not at the beginning and the end? That is correct. Mm -hmm. Oral communications okay. is only in the beginning of the agenda. Okay, I, I missed that. I, I am con in concurrence with board member Curtis on maintaining the flag salute. Mm -hmm. I'm also in concurrence with uh, Mr. Buckley's having a opportunity for oral communications at the end of the agenda. Um, I'm also, I appreciate moving the minutes into the consent calendar, uh, but I would like to add to our rules that if the minutes are pulled from the consent calendar that they're moved to the end of the regular agenda automatically, as opposed to having to been uh, decided as part of the agenda changes. So um, I would make that motion and otherwise the changes as specified. Thank you. Any further board comments? We have a motion at the table and I do wanna say that um, board member Teague and board member Curtis, um, thank you for bringing up your comments and I agree with you on the flag salute. Um, In, in terms of the second oral communication, I can go either way. Um, I feel like we have very little communication during that time, so you can go by rather quickly. Um, there's no harm in keeping it. So with that said, we do have a motion at the table. Do we have a second? If, if, if Alan made the motion, I'll second it. Okay, um, roll call vote. With um, We're gonna approve the Recommend the city council to approve the agenda changes. Actually, we're approving the agenda changes based on the following amendments. One is keeping the flag salute. Two is adding the second oral communications. Three is um, if the meeting minutes is pulled from consent calendar, it automatically gets moved to the end of the agenda. Okay. Staff has captured that. Um, may I just make a uh, comment about the agenda? I mean, uh, uh, I believe the council agenda, the city council does do a pledge of allegiance, but the flag salute is not an actual agenda item. 
So in, order, in, in terms of keeping the actual printed agenda format consistent, um, a suggestion was made by the city clerk that the flag salute can still, that practice can continue to, to occur at these meetings. Um, right after the board president calls the meeting to order, you can do your flag salute, but we just don't, won't have an, uh, a specific agenda item listed as flag salute. Okay. Right. So the way we list it on the city council agenda is on, right at the top of the meeting, it says pledge of allegiance and then item one is roll call. So it still appears right above roll call without having an actual number. That is and so we just, for consistency, would love it if the board was okay with that. I, I am assuming that uh, board member Curtis is agreeable as long as it is listed on the agenda prior to the roll call, I am accepting of that. But it has to be, the words have to be there. I agree. We're, we'll match the city council practice. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So now we have a motion on the table. Uh, um, all in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. Any no votes? Absentation? Okay. The motion passes. Uh, moving on to regular agenda item. Now we're going to start with 7B. For those who are joining um, currently, we are going to start with set item 7B first, then 7C, and then we'll discuss 7A last. So, um, Mr. Tai, do you have a presentation? Yes, I'll, let me bring up that presentation and I will be um, the staff member presenting. Give me one second. See that okay? Yes. Okay. Good evening, President Ruiz, members of the planning board. Brian McGuire here to present item 7B, design review of a previously approved hotel project at 1825 Park Street. Sorry. Some of you were here in 2019. And for the benefit, and for the benefit of our newer Me, board members. Mr. McGuire, um, we have a malfunction monitor. I'll pass. Is it on early? It's on this one. Did you have it on at all or no? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I can move. Yeah. Mine works. But she could use the board member Helms position. Sit here if you want. I've got the I've got the actual plan. Oh, oh! Now I turned yours off. That was nice of you. Right? <laughs> Dang, it was on. Yeah, yours came back, but yours is maybe this one does. Tried right now. So okay. Thank yeah. you for switching. Of We're going to help you move things. Oh, or? No, sorry. Got it. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Okay. Nice having you as a neighbor. This is the kind of thing we were. That's okay. Everything is 
Just give me the thumbs up when you're ready. All right. Okay. All set. Okay, so some of you were here in 2019, and for the benefit of our newer board members, the planning board approved designs for Holiday Inn Express at the southwest corner of Park Street and Clement Avenue in the North Park Street Gateway Zoning District. This is the former Ron Good Toyota site, currently home to a scooter store. Staff is recommending that the board extend the previous design review approval by adopting a resolution reapproving the project with updated conditions of approval to reflect current Alameda Municipal Code requirements. To summarize how we got here tonight, in January 2019, the planning board approved the project, which was then appealed to the city council. Council heard the appeal in March 2019 and upheld planning board's decision to approve the project, but gave some feedback on the architecture, asking the planning board to take one last review of the architectural details of the building. Planning board approved the final revised design in July 2019, which was extended once by the planning director as permitted in the municipal code. That approval is set to expire this year. As you can imagine, like many industries, <clears throat> the COVID-19 pandemic significantly impacted the hospitality sector. Progress on the project stopped in 2020 thanks to the lockdowns and economic uncertainty. Now that conditions have changed and demand has rebounded, the applicant is ready to move forward with the hotel project. Given the time and complexity of completing the building permit process for a project like this, extending the project approval is needed to secure construction financing. This is the same project you approved four years ago. There are no changes from the July 2019 plans that you reviewed then. The transportation demand management measures are the same. A number of conditions of approval have been updated, including notably the ADA and electric vehicle parking requirements, which reflect changes to the parking ordinance enacted by this board and council um, in the intervening time. Once again, staff is recommending you adopt a resolution extending the design review approval as presented in Exhibit 2 in order to allow the construction of a 96-room, four-story hotel. Staff and the applicant are available to answer any questions you may have. Thank you, Mr. McGuire. Now that's open up for um, um, board member questions, board member Teague. Uh, thank you, staff member McGuire. Uh, you said something that implied there were other changes to it other than the parking. What were the other changes? Yeah, I think predominantly the um, there was two ordinances that approved the project in in 2019, and they both governed, and so we sort of consolidated and cleaned those up. But also, like a lot of the conditions in there are from Public Works, and a lot of them have to do with clean water program things. Essentially, the same requirements with some updated language um, that, as their standard conditions of approval have evolved over the years, it's essentially the same requirements, but there's constantly those state requirements and the public works conditions of approval just sort of get refined over time. Okay. So okay. some of that language has been adjusted. So, so the other conditions that were updated were the ones that are really not ours, that were updated to reflect the current things that we put on projects. 
Correct, and it, okay. it wasn't really any new requirements necessarily. It was just sort of the 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 standard conditions. Sort of the language evolves, and there's some slight okay. tweaking of those technical Thank you very much. details. And any other board questions? Yes, Board Member Curtis. Madam President, I, in reviewing what what we approved before and now, I think that that. Um, I think that the resolution did a better job now than it did back when it was approved before because I think it's more definitive in terms of the obligations of the hotel in terms of the transportation it's providing for free. Like it, it was able to, to, to um, direct the transportation to specific places, the airport, the, the seaplane lagoon, um, South Shore, the different places that were on there which gives um, the developer no surprises in terms of what their obligations was. And I thought that they did a better job, or you guys did a better job on the resolution this time around than you did four years ago. Any other board clarifying questions? Uh, um, I have a question. Um, has the uh, planning board discussed with the applicant the impact of um, required EV parking? Because I, if I were, uh, memory serves me right. The parking situation was very tight on the plan. And EV parking spaces tend to be a little larger than regular parking spaces. And I was wondering if this has been discussed with the applicant and if they, they are okay with it, this um, change. I can start. And if uh, Mr. Patel has anything to add, he's welcome to come on up to the podium. But we did discuss um, the updated conditions and um, he expressed no concern over it. And just as a note, uh, since we adopted our own sort of parking standards, EV parking reach code a couple of years ago, the state has op adopted a new um, code that pushes some of those requirements potentially even farther than our own ordinance. So those requirements would be applied at the building permit stage even without the, the sort of standards that the city of Alameda adopted themselves. Um, but as I understand, the applicant is comfortable with the updated condition. Thank you. Um, if there are no further board clarifying questions, now that's open up for public comments. Do we have any public comments? I mean, we do have public comments. I have two speakers um, here in person, and at the moment, one hand raised on Zoom. So we'll start with um, the in-person folks, the first five. Well, there's not five, so we'll just go with the two. Um, Rich Krinks, come on up. And after that, John Frangoulis. Uh, good evening, good evening uh, Madam President and Planning Board members. Uh, great to be here in person. Um, Rich Krinks, a uh, longtime resident and a commercial real estate broker in the city. and. Uh, the entire bay and I do a, a lot with hotels and I've dealt with Mr. Patel and Mr. Good on this project and um, I'm super excited that Mr. Patel has decided to uh, hold his ground through all the problems that we've had over the last few years and still wants to build this incredible project. Uh, I think it's going to be great for the city, uh, great for Park Street, um, especially since uh, the uh, the Housing Authority is now going to take over the Hawthorne Suites on Webster Street and take away those hotel rooms. So now this will be a great addition. It's going to take some time, of course, but um, the design is fantastic. You guys, some of you guys who are here were a part of that. Uh, I'm very pleased that 
staff is recommending to extend it, so I hope that you also vote in that direction. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. J John Frangoulis. Good evening. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to say a couple of things. First of all, we're here because of COVID-19, obviously. When COVID came about, uh, me and my kids operate the Park Street Tavern, which is right across from the proposed uh, project. We established the restaurant and bar coalition, Alameda Restaurant and Bar Coalition, and we came with DABA and WABA to you and to many other departments of the city for help. And you really came through. You really helped us to survive. So this project is will beautify the area, will make the place much, much uh, more appealing, will bring more people to, to the city, and it will help not only my business that's across the street from the project, but also all the other retail business around the area. So hopefully you will approve it because it will be a very good addition. And with all the conditions that I read on the project, uh, it's got to be a beautiful project. I mean, you have, you have really made him comply with everything that anybody can think of. So hopefully you'll approve it. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Okay, we'll go to our Zoom speakers. Um, right now we have one hand raised. Kathy Weber, you should be able to unmute. Good evening, can you hear me? Yes. Great, thank you. So good evening, President Ruiz and members of the planning board and the city staff. On behalf of the Downtown Alameda Board of Directors, we urge you to approve this design review extension. This project, despite the challenges of the last few years, um, we are bolstered by the confidence and the investment that they are making in the future of downtown Alameda and our community as a whole. And we look forward to head, we look forward to moving ahead with this project. This project is situated at the, in the North Park Street Gateway District, which is the entryway to our business district. And it's a vital and highly visible location. And to have our business district bookended by this, this great hospitality destination will enhance our neighborhood businesses and inspire additional investment in the area. We look forward to welcoming this professional team who will make a significant investment and improvements at this location. They'll create an inviting destination to accommodate guests in a beautifully designed and aesthetically pleasing space and will strive to be a good neighbor. So in anticipation of our partnership with the owners, we expect that they will continue to actively support the goals of Alameda and our association and our downtown businesses. And we urge you to approve the design review time extension. Thank you so much. Thank okay. you. Okay, our next speaker is a phone number. It's ending in 636. You should be able to unmute. I think it's star six. Hi, my name is Nell Zelander. We can hear you, go ahead. Okay, I was wondering, um, do you guys have a PLA on this project? Can you repeat that, please? 
Do you guys have a PLA on this yeah. project? Uh, Typically, public comments, not this is a, a Q and A. This is a comment. This is not a Q and A. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Any other speaker? There are no other hands raised. Okay, that closes um, public comment session of this um, agenda item. That's open up for um, board comments. Board member Teeth. Uh, thank you to the staff for uh, bringing this forward and the applicant for continuing to work on this project. I was here when this project went through numerous meetings. Uh, it is an excellent project and an excellent addition to Alameda, and I will fully support extending it as recommended by staff. Board Member Teague, are you making a motion? Yes, I am. Okay, thank you. Do we have a second or further board comments? I'll um, second the motion. Thank you. Right. Board Member Cisnero? <laughs> I'm like, I raise my hand. <laughs> Not sure. Um, yeah, um, I, I also support the motion, um, and uh, I just wanted, in, in response to the, the public comment slash question, um, uh, union isn't required for uh, this type of project, uh, correct? Um, That's correct. Yeah, so I just wanted to say that for the record, um, and uh, I fully support moving this forward. Okay, thank you. Any other board comments? Okay, that's a um, take a vote. All in favor of the motion, say yes. 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 Aye. 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 Any nays? Okay, I think the um, motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Now let's move on to agenda item 7C. And for those who are joining us now, um, please know that there's agenda change. So now 7A will come after 7C. This is a public hearing to review and comment the 2022 annual reports. Does staff have a presentation? Uh, yes, President Ruiz, um, again, Alan Tai, City Planner. Um, joining me tonight is uh, Lisa Foster from our Transportation Planning Division. Um, Lisa is our Senior Transportation Coordinator. Um, we, saw, we also have, um, as part of our team, Danielle Mueller, the City's Climate and Resiliency Manager, and she is joining us remotely. Um, I will go ahead and kick off this uh, staff presentation. Um, so tonight we are presenting you um, annual reports uh, around three, three topics, uh, the general plan, housing element, transportation, and the climate action resiliency plan. Uh, we do these annual reports um, in order to uh, recap and take a look at the accomplishments as a city um, the previous year, as well as to uh, set priorities for the upcoming year. Um, we do this usually in the early part of the spring in order to inform the city council as it has, as it holds uh, budget um, sessions and set priorities for the year. And this is really just to ensure that our, um, uh, the, the budget priorities and work plans are also in alignment with um, the community goals. 
Um, there is no vote for the board tonight. Um, we are really just looking for any comments that you may have. Um, we are scheduling a, a same conversation with the city council come March 21st um, to, to pass on any comments that you may have on the annual reports or the work plan. So with that, I will uh, start off um, talking about the general plan and the housing element annual report. Uh, the year 2022 was a big milestone year for, for the city of Alameda. Um, thank you for the hard work of the planning board as well as the community. We were the first uh, city in the Bay Area to adopt and have a certified housing element by the state of California. Um, and um, if you can go to the next slide, Brian, thank you. Um, and this year's uh, Andrew report is also the final year of reporting on the last RENA planning period um, consisting of the years 2015 to 2022. Um, we've, we've had a number of conversations about this uh, as we were updating the housing element. Um, the city has done a very, uh, has done very well overall in producing uh, housing units. Um, we we uh, produced 2,500 units while the arena count was around 1,700. Um, but like other cities throughout the state, where we fall short of is our affordable housing goal, where, we're, uh, where we produce 533 units, nothing to sneeze at, but still that's just about half of the original goal of um, 975 units. Next slide, please. So as we work to implement our new housing element over the next eight years, um, there are a couple of, uh, there are three data points that we are going to use to guide our work. Really number one is uh, not unique to Alameda, but we are still very much in a, in a housing crisis despite news, you hear on the news that home sales are falling, home prices are falling, um, but there is still a severe need for affordable housing, particularly at the deeper affordable levels, affordability levels, uh, the low income and very low income levels. Um, the second point really has to do with um, looking at our inclusionary housing. Uh, fact of the matter is uh, in Alameda, incomes are high enough where uh, even the moderate income level, so moderate, income being defined as 80 to 100% of the area median income. And in actual dollar amounts, that's the median income for a family of four is about 140,000. And that range would basically set you to between 120,000 to 170,000. And if you are in that <clears throat> income range for family of four, chances are you're not going to find uh, a problem renting housing in Alameda. Can't say the same about for sale housing, but for the rental market, moderate income um, is, is um, very comparable to the market rate. Yet when we look at our inclusionary ordinance, we're still requiring a 7% um, requirement in the moderate income level. So if we're building multifamily, a lot of developers nowadays building multifamily, they are often um, rental units. Um, the, the project that the board approved a couple months ago at uh, Alton Rose Cove, 200 plus units was all rental housing. 7% moderate income really doesn't, really doesn't uh, provide the same benefit as if we were looking at a deeper affordability level. So I think the, you know, that, that, that piece of the puzzle is really something important that we will wanna look at over the, ne uh, over the next year. 
Um, third data point really is just we need to continue to monitor vacancy rates. I, I believe at some point uh, in the conversation about the housing element with the planning board, somebody had suggested maybe even looking at a vacancy tax like our neighboring cities. Um, this is just to ensure that you know we don't have um, property owners who are holding out units for whatever reason and really making sure that the, uh, uh, the housing stock is made available. Um, the other thing that other data point that we discovered in the housing element analysis was that there are about a thousand large households, large households being defined as families with five or more, uh, or, or households with five or more people, um, that they may be having trouble finding housing um, in, in the future, especially if the developer trend of building small one and two bedroom units continue. So again, using that project that was approved at Amrose Cove, they're all studio one and two bedroom units, no three bedroom units. So those are that, those are something uh, that's something that we would want to monitor over over the next um, housing element planning period. And then last but not least, all of our neighboring cities have short term rental regulations. Short term rentals being things like Airbnb, uh, VRBO, um, and Alameda. We currently don't have regulations. So just anecdotally, at working at the counter, we get a lot of questions from. Um, real estate speculators about short-term rentals, and so that is something that we, we want to take a look at um, as part of our work plan. Um, and so uh, on the slide, um, there are f five ordinances that we are currently looking at. I mean, this is really just uh, a small slice of the 22 housing programs that are discussed in the annual report, but this is really the work where we would expect the planning board to have a heavy hand on. And they're not necessarily listed in any order, but I would say that the subdivision ordinance is work that is already well underway. That's the first update to our subdivision ordinance in the last 40 years. And really what we're trying to do is, one, streamline the process, two, uh, make sure that the ordinance meets um, state, state code. So, um, just in a nutshell, a very short summary of, um, of what's in our annual report. And with that, I'd like to turn it over to Lisa. Are you next? Yes? Okay. Thank you. Good evening, President Ruiz and board members. It is, I need to be closer. It's been a while since I've done this. <laughs> is that mic on? It sounds very soft. I am Lisa Foster, Senior Transportation Coordinator for the City of Alameda, and I will address the annual report on transportation, which shows our progress on city goals related to safety, mobility, equity, and mode shift. Thank you. Alameda has a goal of zero traffic deaths or severe injuries by 2035. And Sadly, last year, two people lost their lives on our, in traffic crashes on our streets, um, and 13 people were severely injured. That represents a decrease in fatal crashes over the last couple of years prior to that, but an increase in severe injuries, particularly among people in motor vehicles. Um, I also wanted to acknowledge that we had our first fatal crash of 2023 um, just a few weeks ago, um, and that was a person who was struck by a driver when he was crossing uh, McCartney at Marcuse. 
looking at our rates of fatal and severe crashes per 100,000 population, it, you see from 2015 to 2019, the city's rate generally trended downward while the county and the state trended upwards. Um, 2020 was mixed, and then for 2021, rates rose for the county, the state, us, and the nation. Uh, so it, it is a very concerning trajectory for our whole country. But still, as of 2021, the city's rate of traffic fatalities and severe injuries per capita was over 50% lower than the rate in Alameda County and even lower still than the California rate. And we are working to make things better. Uh, last year, the city made safety improvements at over 113 intersections. That included things like flashing beacons, high visibility crosswalks, bulb outs, daylighting. In addition, counted differently, we also were busy last year putting leading pedestrian intervals at our uh, traffic signals. And that has now been done at over three quarters of our traffic signals. That's all the signals that have the technical capacity to do it. And so um, we need to upgrade our technology at the rest of them. And then as you know, we had the Del Monte section of the Clement extension opened last year. And, oops, sorry. <laughs> My little, there we go. And then looking forward to the next year, I wanted to give you a few highlights um, in terms of our planning and programs. We are planning, we are working on an ADA transition plan that includes the public right of way and a trails inventory and maintenance plan. And then we do plan to begin this year paid parking at Seaplane Lagoon and Harbor Bay Ferry Terminals. In terms of public transit, the AC, AC Transit is working on their service recovery and redesign plan. Um, we are intending to begin discussions with AC Transit and the Alameda TMA about expanding Line 96 with Alameda TMA support. Um, and we are also working on our water shuttle planning with the intention to open that in 2024. This is our 2023 capital project work plan for transportation. A few highlights. The lines in blue are the items that are in the planning and design phases this year. Uh, so a few highlights of those are the Lincoln Marshall Pacific Corridor project, the Clement Avenue Extension and Tilden Way project, and then um, the East End is getting its turn with the pavement management and safety improvements project. We do that in chunks of the city. So that's why you see so many lines in the East End this year. Um, and then for the red lines are items that will at least begin construction this year, projects. Uh, a few highlights are Central from Sherman to Maine, Clement from Grand to Broadway, and the Caltrans project on Encinal. And um, missing from the map, but will be added for the version that goes to the council is, is Park Street and Webster Street. Portions of that, we are planning to construct interim updated striping and curb enhancements this year. And then we are also going to start our planning process for a longer term vision of those corridors. And now I'm going to pass to Danielle Miller um, remotely. Good evening, planning board members. Can can you hear me? 
Yes. Great. Good evening. I'm Danielle Mueller, I'm Sustainability and Resilience Manager, and I'm going to present the Climate Action and Resiliency Plan Annual Report and 2023 Work Plan. Yeah, Brian. Um, as a refresher, the CARP was adopted in 2019 to um, reduce the city's greenhouse gas emissions through clean transportation, clean buildings, sequestering carbon, reducing waste, and adapting to the impacts of climate change, all through a social equity lens. Next step, next slide. And um, once AMP began providing 100% clean energy citywide, in Alameda, the remaining emissions that we um, face are from 70% from transportation and 27% from natural gas and buildings with the remaining 3% from water, wastewater, and waste. Slide. Um, just some highlights for you from 2022. Um, in the building space, uh, City Council approved the Equitable Building Decarbonization Plan as a strategy for decarbonizing existing buildings. It also renewed and expanded our all-electric uh, build, new buildings ordinance, which um, now requires that new buildings be fully electric with no gas hookups, and also requires now uh, buildings undergoing a substantial remodel or a substantial addition to be all-electric. Um, and AMP began providing a new rebate for electric heat pump, uh, furnace, and HVAC equipment. In the transportation area, um, as you just heard, the active transportation plan was adopted and there was um, completion of key transportation safety improvements. AMP also began providing a new e-bike rebate and um, the city expedited permitting for solar projects. Um, and AMP also uh, waived the interconnection fee for residential solar and provided a $500 rebate for low-income uh, customers looking to install solar. And then um, we also kicked off the urban forest plan this year and that will be a plan to um, expand the urban, uh, the tree canopy citywide and to provide equitable tree canopy cover to all um, segments of the, of the city um, and to help meet some of our sequestration goals. And then in adaptation, uh, we secured $4.14 million in grant funds for sea level rise adaptation projects. And um, FEMA approved and City Council adopted um, the Climate Adaptation and Hazard Mitigation Plan. And the general safety, general plan safety element was also amended to align with the mitigation plan. Um, this annual report also serves as the re annual report for the safety element. Next slide, please. Um, in 2023, a couple of highlights. Um, we're going to be updating the city's greenhouse gas inventory this year in preparation for updating a full update of CARP in 2024, and um, we'll be completing the urban forest plan. Um, you can see on the right here, we currently have a survey out for the plan. Um, so we encourage board members and members of the public to please take the survey and give us your feedback and input about the shape of the urban forest plan. Um, and you can do that by going to the QR, following the QR code here or on our website if you search urban forest plan. Um, we're also speaking to expand the availability of public EV charging um, on city owned properties and to, <clears throat> excuse me, implement the near term priorities in the equitable building decarbonization plan. Next slide. 
I just wanted to share some more details about the funding that we received for um, adaptation projects. Um, so in the first item, this map on the right um, shows a project one, the outline. This is a, a the sub-regional long-term adaptation plan. We've received funding to develop a long-range strategy in partnership with Oakland and other land, um, East Bay Regional Parks, Caltrans, the Port of Oakland, and others to develop a long-term uh, strategy and vision for adaptation along that uh, stretch of shoreline. Uh, there's also was a grant received for a mass developing a master plan at DePave Park. That's item two on the on the map. And then item three, we received a grant to do an Oakland Alameda estuary adaptation project. And as you can see on the outline there, that's a project we're going to do in partnership with the city of Oakland as sort of a pilot for looking at how we adapt, how we address adaptation and sea level rise on both sides of the estuary. Um, and then um, shown here, project four is a Bay Farm Island adaptation project. We received um, a FEMA a money from FEMA was a grant, um, sorry, an earmark from Barbara Lee's office to address both the Veterans Court area and the Lagoon outfall that's just down the, the trail there past the Harbor Bay Club. Um, those are two short-term flood, priority flooding locations, as well as to do a long-range plan for all of Bay Farm Island. And then um, projects five and six are, are in partnership, are being led by um, Caltrans. Do Little Drive is a project being led by Caltrans and um, one by the Port of Oakland, but we are working in partnership with them through our Sea Level Rise Adaptation Working Group because the Do Little Drive area is also um, a known uh, priority flooding location that impacts the city of Alameda. Um, next slide. So with that, that concludes our presentation tonight, and we um, ask for your review and comment on the three annual reports presented tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much for your presentation. Um, that's open up for board clarifying question. Actually, there's no action, so that just open up for, um, that's, that's have public comments first, and then we'll save for the later part, latter part for board comments. So do we have any public comments? I don't see any hands raised at this time and there are no speakers in the chambers. Okay, thank you. Um, now let's move on. Let's close the public comment um, portion and open up for board comments. Board members is narrowed. Thank you, um, President Ruiz. I have a few questions and comments. Um, uh, starting with, um, I guess, the Transportation Choices Plan and the Vision Zero, I'm curious. Um, uh, I think this was reviewed by the Transportation Commission. I'm just curious if there's any general um, comments or feedback from their um, discussion, or if they haven't reviewed this yet, then. They have reviewed it, thank you. Um, they had a long discussion about sort of citywide how we're looking at prioritizing different modes and making sure that we prioritize public transit as well as um, as well as our active transportation modes and and vehicles. Okay, and then generally like um, endorsement or support for the plan. Yes, yeah. in general, supporting mm -hmm. for the the plan. Yes. Okay, great. Thank and you they so did much. Universal. Yeah. They did um, all support the, they endorsed the reports. 
Great, thank you. And um, this next question comment might be for Danielle, um, uh, related to the CARP. Um, this uh, is related to the two items that said like they needed attention uh, related to T1, reducing commute via Michael's vehicle, miles traveled, BMT. Um, a general question, I was just curious. I used to take casual carpool <laughs> um, pre-pandemic days, and I'm just curious um, what's going on with that program um, and if that's uh, something that the city has um, thought about as a strategy. Um, I understand we're not out of the pandemic um, and the sensitivity around that, but was just curious about that. And then there was a comment in the plan about the city council approving a smart city master plan without transportation related recommendations. I wonder if you could say more about that. Um, and if that doesn't sound familiar, I could point you to where that is in the document. Um, yes, the city council chose to move forward with, with the smart city plan without the transportation related stuff. There was some disagreement about how to handle prioritization at, at signals. And so it was decided that we would deal with signal policy elsewhere and not as part of that project, that plan. And in terms of casual carpool, I don't know if Danielle wanted to answer that or whether I should speak to that. Um, go ahead, Lisa. Okay. Um, in the coming years, we do have an ambition to look for new casual carpool locations and sort of see if the city can be involved in making that take off again, in part to help AC Transit uh, as, as their usage goes up to deal with, with um, prime hours when they, their buses might start to fill. In the meantime, buses, you know, they're, they're still only at, I think, 55% pre-pandemic ridership. Uh, so it hasn't risen to a, our top priority at the moment, but it is, so it's not on this year's work plan, but I, it's, it was on our minds, and, and I think we would like to have it for next year. Yeah, I, the thought with that is that folks are driving, so if there's an opportunity to um, car share, then yeah, that um, might be something to consider, so that makes sense. Um, and then uh, curious with the EV charging stations, um, if uh, Alameda Chamber have been um, involved and if they provide any input or feedback um, about the um, lack of uptake with that in terms of encouraging um, businesses to use the EV stations. Mm -hmm. The chamber has not been involved in those discussions so far. Um, that is something that would be worth just, I think, as you mentioned, discussing with them. Um, it does seem that there has not been great uptake on the um, EV charging rebates that AMP offers for uh, businesses and retail locations. Um, there were there were no rebates issued last year. Although I do know that there's um, a, a number that are that are in the pipeline for that should be issued this year for businesses. Yeah, that would be um, helpful, perhaps. So great. Um, glad to hear that could be a consideration. And then finally, with um, 
the housing element and general plan. Um, uh, uh, thank you for the overview and in terms of the various ordinances. Um, obviously, we'll look at the objective design standards and this initiate the steps for that. But in terms of the other um, ordinances, um, I'm just curious, like what uh, you're thinking in terms of timeline for um, introducing that um, to the board to move those items forward, and then um, I'm just going to dive into my two other quick comments. Um, I noticed in the housing element we had maybe some specific um, recommendations, and as it relates to like fair housing and tenant protections, something I've been um, thinking about um, is a rental registry for um, both um, uh, private and uh, rent-controlled units. So. I didn't see that detail in the housing element, and I noticed like in this report there were maybe some more detailed items, so I'm just bringing that up as a potential consideration for staff. And then finally, I have this other um, bucket of comments where um, there were some very specifics in the housing element. For example, make ADU materials available by July 2023, um, and, and so on and so forth. There's various programs I'm happy to follow up via email with those specifics, but um, I do wonder just how granular and specific we will want to get in our update since it seems that HCD in the state is um, taking um, housing element implementation and um, our, uh, us being proactive about it pretty seriously. So um, those are all my comments and questions. Thank you, Board Member Cisneros. Um, I'll just answer the question about the timeline first. Um, so those five ordinances that I had on the work plan slide, very ambitious. Uh, I don't believe, I mean, our goal is to get it done in the year, but uh, you know, each, each and every single one of those line items is, is a huge undertaking. Um, I think also part of it, part of the exercise for us as we look at the ordinances and what to update. For example, inclusionary ordinance. Easy to say, yes, we're gonna update the inclusionary ordinance or look at it, but, but there, there, there's so many different levels of complexity. You know, it's relationship with, let's just say, just to dive in with a real example, if we were to say, okay, let's, we could lower the moderate income requirement but increase very low income, well, automatically we're hitting state law under density bonus. So now we've got that issue we have to untangle or, or look at. So um, I think as we are approaching the ordinances, one of the things that we, staff also need to do is also define what what problem we want to tackle, right? It's, it's in, in on some and and on I would say most items on that list we haven't really start to begin to identify the problem. Subdivision ordinance, I would say we've we've made good headway. Uh, we've already started some work looking at short-term rental ordinance just by understanding what other neighboring cities have already adopted and how that might impact Alameda. Um, objective design standards, looking for your input tonight. Um, other things like, you know, universal design ordinance, we already sort of have defined the problem, you know, with, with townhomes, um, but other things like, you know, uh, inclusionary housing, uh, maybe even looking at ways to further fair housing um, as part of ordinances, new, adopting new requirements, those are things that we will probably need to take a deeper dive and study the project description. 
And then, of course, your point about um, annual reports in the future. Um, the next calendar year, we'll probably talk about the, the obligations we have for this calendar year um, come next spring. Thank you. The thank April, you. Um, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Um, Board Member T. Uh, thank you. I have a few questions as usual. Uh, first, uh, Board Member Cisneros, there is already a rent registry in Alameda. Yes, and I, I don't, because uh, I was, um, I guess, inspired by City of Berkeley, I think they do it for um, monitoring rents for private market, market rate but units. Actually, all, all units that are rented are supposed to be there. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, all, all units, I would say it should be every residential property in the city should be there, but that's a different different venue, different place. Uh, board member Ty, uh, in terms of your monitoring, I would suggest that we monitor uh, in terms of rental, the size of the unit with what the currently like what the housing authority says the rent is for that unit and where does that fall in terms of affordability it was very fascinating to hear you say that the moderate affordable houses is market rate so when we look at these things and talk about inclusion and when we report on it we should be really reporting here's what HUD slash the housing authority has said is the market rate for these size units and this is where it would fall in terms of the maximum number of people, how that would fall in terms of the income. Uh, because that covers that family distribution issue a bit, as well as the overcrowding. We should also have information from the housing authority on family distribution. Last time I spoke to them, which is several years old, is large families were very small number and that they were actually pushing the one and two bedrooms. So when you talk about, you know, the question is how big a problem is that? Uh, we would need some numbers on those. So I, I would appreciate that. The, the thing that I have always struggled with in terms of our zoning is shared living, co-housing, multifamily. The differences between shared living versus a multi-unit property is unclear. Can you transition from one to the other? What, what is the really the difference? We should really be looking at making that very clear because we allow it in our zoning. You can do shared housing here, um, but it, it's not really very clear what it means and how can you transition from one to the other. So if we got a project that came through, I'm not sure how we would deal with it. So uh, I think we need to clarify that. Um, in terms of that's all I had for the housing side for the uh, transportation uh, for the serious injuries I you know that uptick is indeed disturbing I, I assume that we're looking at are there common causes are there situations that are happening uh, that are leading to these I have had people go some of the bike bump outs are very confusing to drivers and also confusing to some bikers. And hopefully none of those have been involved, uh, but it would be nice to know in terms of this report if there are common uh, situations. I, I appreciate it. 
Uh, I am continually disappointed in how we're dealing with our ferry parking. We don't talk about carpool. How do we encourage carpool to it? I don't see information on the reliability of the bus lines when we talk about charging for parking. I, you know, anecdotally, what I hear is that eh, the bus isn't really that reliable. Uh, and reliable to the ferry is critical. I mean, if it misses one day a week, that's not, people aren't gonna use it. So we really need to know how well that is working. And we should really be factoring that into these other items, especially today when potentially you may feel comfortable carpooling with the people you know because the exposure is very small and then the ferry is a very open airy area so you feel very comfortable about that. So that's something that I would be looking for. In terms of the um, climate impact, my screen is dark so hopefully uh, the staff member is still there. Uh, AMP as a public power, you know, what are we doing to address the encouragement of solar on our houses as the large public companies are pushing the Public Utility Commission to adopt uh, NEEM 3, which is very anti-development of solar and discourage it. Um, so we could take an alternative course to what the big public profit power companies are doing in terms of discouraging solar development and actually encourage it in the island. It would be interesting to see a statement in there that talks about that situation. So thank you very much. Thank you, Board Member T. Other Board Member comments or questions? Board Member Sahaba? Thank you. Uh, thank you for all the annual reports. Appreciate it. I just had a, I, th I think a lot of my fellow board members have covered um, a lot of ground here. I just uh, wanted to focus in on the capital uh, transportation capital works uh, project work program. And I was glad to hear that both Park and Webster Street are gonna be added to this prior to going to council. I think that's, that's critical. I would say that uh, when we also look at the current state of our assets as, as an island, uh, obviously Shoreline Drive is a critical component of that. And I think that a uh, few things that would be good for us to focus in on would be to think of what that boardwalk really can be in the future uh, for pedestrian use. Uh, at Bay Farm, um, along Harbor Bay Parkway, we've got a pretty grand um, pedestrian boardwalk, which is not as utilized as uh, what we have along the uh, shoreline. And also, it was unfortunate to see that at the terminus of Park Street, what was built there was just really um, some bathrooms. And that's uh, unfortunate for being the terminus of, of Park to the boardwalk or to, to the Shoreline Drive. I think um, being a public space that actually then accepts people off of such a major street would, would be critical. So I think when we think of how can we make sure to push the natural assets that we have forward, we should really think about not only the prioritization of all the modes of transportation from bikes to vehicles to, to people, but how does that integration happen in a way that really enhances uh, access to either public space, beach in this case, um, 
or a public, larger public network that that we want to reinforce. Uh, so that's and, and along with that, I would just say there's multiple connections, obviously, uh, from the neighborhoods, from the shopping areas, all to Shoreline that just I think require really critical thinking and studying because I, you know, we know that during specific times of the year there is this migration that happens towards the shoreline and and back and I think right now um, it doesn't feel as as reinforced as one could imagine so thank you thank you board member Sahaba um, any other board member comments I just have a, a yeah. clarifying question um, I would like to understand what the sea level um, rise adaptation projects are is there like a general? That would be uh, Danielle. Sure. Um, do you do you have a specific question that I can answer, or you just wanted an overview of the projects? Well, or an example. I just don't quite understand what that means. Sure. So, um, as a low-lying island, you know, as sea level rise, sea levels rise, we're going to be subject to um, greater and greater inundation of our shoreline um, on the on the coast um, or on the shoreline. Uh, so, one example project that we are pursuing right now is at Veterans Court uh, on Bay Farm Island, where the the bridge. Thank you, four uh, A, where the Bay Farm Island Bridge touches down um, on that shoreline there. That was identified as a low spot in our shoreline. So um, just in terms of the elevation, it's lower than some of the other locations on Bay Farm Island. Um, and the Lagoon Outfall is another one just down the, the, um, the Bay Trail a little ways um, that are both low and will be <clears throat> um, entry points for flood water early, earlier in the, um, in the timeline than than others, oh, we lost the presentation, um, and so the the goal there, the short term goal there, is to really just raise the shoreline um, to to prepare for those those rising sea levels. Um, oh, I see. So the adaptation is just kind of addressing where the lowest points are that could flood. That's that's right. what the projects refer to. That, right, and that's okay. the pro that's the the projects in the near term. So those two points are just low points in the shoreline that we need to address. There's a seawall at Veterans Court that's over 100 years old um, that needs to be replaced um, to protect from water. And if you've ever been out at Veterans Court on that road at at high tide or at king tide, the water is nearly overtopping that seawall. So we need to raise the elevation. In the longer term, you know, there's going to be more than just these um, specific point locations that are low spots for flooding. More and more areas are going to be entryways um, for, for shoreline inundation and overtopping. And the map shown here is showing um, 48 inches of sea level rise, which is what we, um, in the dark blue, which is what we um, anticipate by around 2070 when you account for um, storm surge. So there's both the permanent inundation, the permanent raise, rising of sea levels, and then the short-term uh, storm surge when you have large storms like we did um, New Year's Eve of this year or last year. Um, and so we're really going to need to start thinking about our entire shoreline in the long-term and how do we want to adapt it and can we find ways to adapt it in uh, using 
um, more nature-based solutions, implanting eelgrass, enhancing the marshland, um, living levees and things like that so that in the future, we don't need to build hard walls um, around our shoreline. Does that help? Yes, thank you, Danielle. Yes. Any other board comments or questions? Okay, that leaves up to me. Um, thank you for the um, thoughtful presentation. Um, a few comments um, on the general plan and the housing element annual reporting. Um, I too would like to see in the reporting part, especially at the end of the report where there are several programs that you indicated that we want to continue these programs, continue to do this, it would be good to see some data behind it. You know, how many members have we served? What's the efficacy of the program if the program is being well utilized or underutilized? Don't keep a program just for the program's sake, but being able to fine tune it to better serve our community. That would be one comment on that. Uh, in terms of on the transportation and the Vision Zero, um, as residents, as a resident of Alameda, most of us know that most of the city is 25 miles per hour. But we have Uber drivers and Lyft drivers that are not familiar. Often when I take a Lyft or Uber from Oakland Airport, they just zoom in town as fast as you can. So maybe think about um, what signage or what other methods we can do to make sure that visitors know that Alameda is a 25 mile per hour city in majority of our streets because I don't think we have speed limits on our street signs that often. That would be one thing to consider. And um, question on, also a suggestion on figure 10 of the Vision Zero um, street safety concern reports where um, each, there are some dots for um, communities' input on street incidents. Uh, it's unclear what each dot counts. Is each dot a call, a report, or is so a legend describing that, that figure would be helpful. Um, and every time I, I present a graphic, I'm always thinking about how how legible it is, a graphic. And um, on the traffic fatality rate um, graph, where we see the uptick, both three lines are red, just different shades of red. And red is actually one of the more, um, it's a harder re re red color. More people have issues with that color. So I'll you know consider using different colors at a different tone. That's um, easily observable for people that are visually impaired on the diagram, all, on all our diagrams, actually. So those will be my recommendations. Any other comments from board member? Okay, with that said, we can close this agenda item and move on to back to agenda item 7 Staff just wants to thank the board for the comments on the RANRU reports. Moving on to um, 7A, back to 7A. Request to establish an ad hoc planning board subcommittee to direct revisions to the objective design review standards. 
Um, does staff want to make a presentation or a uh, yeah, I, I would just like to make a couple of remarks. Uh, thank you, President Ruiz and members of the board. Um, I don't have a slideshow presentation. Um, this item's being um, brought to the planning board at your request uh, from, from the last meeting in, in 2022. Um, previously, when, the, uh, when staff was working on the objective, to develop the objective design review standards, the uh, planning board had uh, uh, created an ad hoc subcommittee to direct staff's work, and we were just, as part of seeking your direction on what to update in the objective standards, um, we also want to ask if the board wants to establish a new ad hoc subcommittee to guide that work. Um, um, before we open up for board comments, again, there's no formal resolution, so I would like to open to public comments first. Do we have public speakers? Um, I know we got a submission from one that wanted to share, but I don't see a hand raise. There it goes. We have Chris Buckley on the Zoom, and I'll bring up his uh, slides while he gets ready. Hey, thank you. Um, Christopher Buckley with the Alameda Architectural Preservation Society. I'd like to review some of the comments in the email we sent you on February 10th. First, we'd like to thank you for requesting at your December 12th meeting that the planning board revisit the objective design review standards and also thank staff for agendizing the request for tonight. Second, we're not sure if the staff proposed subcommittee is the best approach, but if the board would like to proceed with the subcommittee, we recommend that the subcommittee include historical advisory board members since the HAB has expressed strong interest in the standards has made various recommendations concerning the standards including HAB members on the subcommittee will also facilitate a coordinated review of the standards by the planning board and HKB. We also request that interested members of the public be allowed to attend subcommittee meetings at least as observers. This would assist the public's understanding of subcommittee recommendations. Um, concerning the image on the screen here, we especially request that you expand the boundaries of the multifamily standards traditional design area or TDA to include the North Park Street area, which contains some of Alameda's most historic buildings. It's still unclear to us why North Park Street was not included in the TDA since it meets the TDA criteria. Photos of the North Park Street buildings we attached to the email, including this, uh, along with a 2008 report on the area by former HAB member Judith Lynch. And uh, can we have the second slide, please? Which shows the uh, TDA map so the hatched area indicates the North Park Street area that we're recommending be added to the TDA. Um, we'd also like to call your attention to the markup of the multifamily standards that we presented to the HAB on June 2nd, 2022 and attached to our February 10th email that shows various AAPS recommendations. And also call your attention to two letters from 2021. Most of the comments in those letters um, and, the, and the markups are still applicable and so we ask that you consider these materials as part of your review of the standards. And then finally, regarding the one and two unit standards, we consider them very good. However, they currently do not have the neighborhood context provisions found in the multifamily standards because it was expected that most one and two unit new construction eligible for the standards would be in the back portion of the lot and not visible from the street. 
but some lots with existing houses have the house at the rear, creating the possibility that a new building might occur at the front of the lot. New construction on corner lots would also be visible from the street. So we therefore recommend that the multifamily contextual standards be incorporated into the one and two unit standards for new construction that is either at the front of the lot or on the street side of a corner lot. If there's a conflict between the design resulting from the application of the contextual standards and the design of existing buildings of the lot, the contextual standards would control. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Buckley. Any other public comments? Betsy Matheson. Thank you. I would like to second Mr. Buckley's comments, particularly for buildings in the rear of the lots. Um, part of the ambiance of living in Alameda and um, the usefulness of somebody's home as a respite, no matter how large or small that home is, is that the surroundings be attractive. So I think we should not only insist that the streetscape appearances are what we want, but also the rear yard appearances. From our house, I love looking over the back fences, just at the masses and shapes of the old buildings around us. I don't care how run down they are, um, just it's the general atmosphere of Alameda. It's very comforting and I'm um, concerned that if we just build things that don't matter in the rear yards, we will not be providing a comforting surroundings to residents old and new. Thank you. Thank you. That was our last speaker. Thank you. Now that closes public comment portion of this agenda. Uh, that's open up for board comments and questions. Board member Curtis. Thank you. Um, I'd like to offer a suggestion. I've, I've had a lot of input on this particular item from different people. And I would like to throw out as a suggestion that we define what this ad hoc committee is going to consist of. And I. I think is a suggestion that it should include members of the planning board, a couple of members of the public, and also members from the Historical um, Advisory Society. And that way we would have a balanced input um, of public, um, quasi-institutional, and the planning board. And um, I, I think that, um, I think that uh, you get a really good a good reflection of what's out there by including people other than the planning board and giving everybody the opportunity for representation. Thank you, board member Curtis. Any other comments? Yes, board member Teague. Thank you, President Ruiz. Um, I'm actually not in favor of having a subcommittee at all. Uh, I believe that all of us should be participating in this process. Uh, my experience of subcommittees in general has been um, sometimes they work a little bit and sometimes they're not working very well at all. Uh, I would instead propose that in uh, the second meeting after this meeting, so in four weeks or whatever that last meeting of March would be, 
that each of us should be coming back with a markup version of the existing ones with what we would like to see altered in the objective design standards. The public should do the same and uh, we should request the HAB uh, to provide that material and then it be uh, summarized by staff and brought forward uh, either two or four weeks after that for us to take action. So are you suggesting we address this similarly to the same fashion that we did with housing elements? A little bit more formally than that, in that basically saying in... In these public in, in forums. Four weeks, we bring written, we have homework and say, here's, here's what we want mm -hmm. to see changed. Staff to aggregate that uh, information in probably four weeks after that, because two weeks may be too short. Uh, to bring back for us to actually take action, most likely in the same manner that we did the housing element, mm -hmm. where we would go through individual items and say yes, no, or something different, mm -hmm. uh, so that we can change it as a group, as opposed to limiting it to a small number, which at most would be uh, three members of the board, um, because we can't have a quorum on a subcommittee. Um. Staff member Ty, do you see any issues with running that in without without subcommittee? I, I think that would be totally fine. Um, I would just ask the board to be uh, specific in their direction. Um, I think board member Teague's suggestion about having I mean, staff could certainly hold a study session on this would be what Monday the meeting of Monday, March twenty seventh. Um, study session only on objective design standards um, and if you could bring your comments to staff uh, to the meeting staff will also bring our comments and we invite the public to do the same I mean that that could be the meeting where we put everything out on the table and then we'll come back at a future meeting um, on on actual draft revisions from staff um, I would also offer that if the board chooses to establish an ad hoc committee that includes members outside of the planning board, then um, I know there's some suggestion about HAB members, and I would also recommend that um, housing providers, particularly the housing authority, also be given a seat on the subcommittee, because um, just I just want to recall the planning board's conversation. This was two years ago when we first developed the objective design standards. You were very, you gave staff very clear direction that you do not want to be on the front page of the LA Times again of having the most important um, or, or most expensive affordable housing unit. And so cost was a very key factor, if you, some of you might remember. So um, we need to make sure that that's, that's considered. Well, thank you for that feedback. Um, I think to be most inclusive, having the study session in this forum probably includes most that want to participate and then rather than having an ad hoc committee. Yes, board member Teague. Uh, I, I would request that staff uh, ask the HAB to provide feedback for that meeting. Prior to that meeting. If possible. Yeah, we will do that. We'll reach out to the historical advisory board um, and, and yeah, facilitate that. Uh, the HAB will not actually have a meeting before uh, in March. So, um, and their earliest meeting would be in April. So, I well, think as a future step, we can incorporate individual written comments from them would be awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, in the past, we have had joint sessions with HAB before. Right. So they're certainly invited to participate in this meeting. Yeah, staff is not concerned. We, we could certainly um, include the HAB as part of the conversation at some point. Okay, so um, it looks like we are not, we don't need a motion to establish the subcommittee. So yeah, no, if there's no subcommittee, There's you no don't. motion either, right. mm -hmm. okay. Do, um, do, do we have any objections to this approach? No? Okay, so we'll just have whole study sessions in the planning board meeting four weeks from now. Right. President Ruiz, I, I just reiterate what staff member Kai said. We need concrete direction at that mm -hmm. study session as opposed to vague commentary. So we do have homework to do for that meeting. Mm -hmm as does the public, HAB, and whomever else would like to contribute. Right. Okay. If there are no further comments, that closes this agenda item. Um, that, let's move on to meeting minutes. Agenda 8A, do we have any comments or um, any public comments on the agenda, on the meeting minutes? Uh, there are currently no hands raised. Four comments. I move approval as written. I second. Um, all in favor? Aye. 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 The motion passes unanimously. Um, agenda item 8B, meeting minutes for December 12th. Do we have any public comments on that? Item? There are no hands raised. Board comments? Is, excuse me. I think yes. one, one clarification. Um, sure. Board member Cisneros, I think you were not ab you were absent on the, For the prior meeting. You're right. right. Yep. I'll abstain. So we're correcting the record to reflect that uh, the vote on the minutes of November 14th, Board Member Cisneros has an abstention. Thank you. And for the December 12th meeting, um, Board Member Curtis was absent. Mm -hmm. Any board comments or motion? I approve. Uh, I, I, I motion that we approve the minutes. I second. Thank you. Yes. This is for December 12th? Yes. Yes, sorry for December 12th. Okay. Um, all in favor? Aye. 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 Noes? Abstention? Let the record refer, reflect that board member Curtis abstain. Okay, um, let's move on to item nine, staff communications. Nine A, planning, building, transportation department, recent actions and decisions. No comments from staff on those items. Any, minor planning any projects. Any board comments? All right, let's move, let's close item 9A, moving on to 9B, oral reports. Um, so we currently don't have um, 
agenda item scheduled for the next meeting, which is March 13th. Um, and with your direction tonight, we're gonna go ahead and schedule a uh, study session on the objective design standards for March the 27th. So what that means is your next meeting will um, very likely be canceled. We have until Thursday to, um, to determine that. Um, in April, we're gonna start bringing you um, the subdivision ordinance, um, starting with study session. Um, that actually is a big packet of information. Again, the first update of our subdivision ordinance in 40 years. Most of it is going to be very prescriptively following state law and a number of the changes in state law. Um, but we, we are, uh, staff is going to recommend some streamlining in the um, subdivision map process. And then along with that meeting, um, we will, um, I believe we also have a parcel map to um, present to you. And then as the um, spring moves on, um, there, there should be more items um, for the board to consider. Thank you. President Ruiz? Yes. I have a question. On the subdivision map uh, request that for those items that are prescripted by state law, please call those out yes. clearly uh, so that we know which ones are which. Right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now that's close. Um, 9B and moving on to written communications. Do we have any written communications? Uh, nothing that is outside of the regular agenda items. Thank you. Um, moving on to board communications. Do we have any board communications? Seeing none, moving on to oral communications. Anyone may address the board on the topic not on the agenda under this item. Do we have any speakers? There are no hands raised and nobody in the audience. Thank you. With that said, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you. How do we do, Laura?